Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is brought to you by BSO and ABF Creative and is scheduled for one fall. And on the mic, we have the one and only Robert Latow. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies, got a lot of people trying to drain me of my energy. They trying to take the wave from your boy. Messing with your boy, better pray for your boy. It's Robert Latow. Keep that same energy podcast. Let's get to the opening bell. This is Robert Latow from BlackSportsOnline.com talking to the legendary uh, Teddy Atlas about the Showtime documentary series, uh, The Four Kings. And, and there's no one better uh, to speak about boxing and to speak about you know boxing in that era uh, than Teddy Atlas, who was a legendary trainer during that era and, and is still a trainer and broadcaster today. I, I want to see you more. Uh, you know, on on the broadcast. Uh, hopefully, you'll be getting another seat at some at some point. But I really enjoy your uh, YouTube channel and, and podcast. It's it's one of my go tos to to listen to about boxing, especially after big uh, a fight. So thank you for joining me. Uh, it's my pleasure. It's always a pleasure to talk to a good person. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, the the first question that I wanted to ask you is just kind of a general question. That era. Um, you know, in the 80s, uh, early 90s of, of Tommy Hearns, Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, Roberto Duran, um, you know, being in the business, you know, what are your memories of that when all of those fights and, and all of that is, is going on? It was a great time. It was, you know, it was like going to the park when all the kids out playing and uh, the sprinklers on during the summertime. And everybody's happy, and there's a and the ice cream man shows up, you know, um, and everybody gets what they want. Everybody got what they wanted. They they got great fighters, talented fighters, special fighters that don't come along all the time. That only come along when they do. And you had it on free network television where everybody could see it. Everyone could identify with it. Everybody could. You know, go to the park and see them, so to speak. You know, uh, you didn't have to pay all kinds of sums for pay-per-view or anything. You saw them on regular TV. And then the, the final part, the best part, was that all these great fighters, they all fought each other. You know, uh, the antithesis of today. I mean, just a complete contrast to today, where you very rarely get the best fighters Right now, everyone's asking for, you know, certain fights, uh, like Crawford and Spence. You're not going to get it because you got separate promoters, power brokers, if you want, that control their little piece of property, and they're not going to let their guy go off their piece of property. They don't care if it, if it could be better for the sport or better for the fans. Uh, you know, in their mind, they just want to control their piece with their network that they're partnered with, that they get their money from, and um, and control that and not jeopardize going across the street to make a fight with another promoter. The only time it happens now is if something, you know, really um, unforeseen happens, something that's so astronomical, like years back when Pacquiao and Mayweather was made, finally, five years too late, maybe, or maybe even a little more than five years too late, but when it was finally made, it was, it was made because the universe of money was so huge that 
It had to be that they had to come together. Um, but that doesn't happen too often. And so the fans suffer, the sport suffers. The sport did not suffer in the 80s because of what everything I said. And, you know, you had all these, you not only had these special fighters coming into your living room, you know, every week and then fighting each other, uh, but you also had their stories that came with it. And every one of them had a great story. And everyone brought a story of hope for somebody else. You know, that if they could make it, I could make it. Because they all came from tough places. They could make it, I could make it. Kind of went back to the days people forget about the great Joe Lewis and, you know, fighters like that. And it saddens me that they do because they don't have an understanding of the history of, of boxing. It's not available the way baseball and football and, you know, basketball history. It's not as long as boxing. Boxing is the longest. But their history is available to people, to kids and young people. And boxing, it's so little of it available. So this makes it available uh, for that era. But uh, because I feel bad, like I said, about the Joe Lewis era and uh, that era where a great, great fighter, a great person like Joe Lewis, he brought hope to people that back in those days there there were people that, that weren't being treated fairly. You know, and black people, black fighters, I mean, the the truth is the truth. And he gave them hope. He was heavyweight champ of the world. (laughs) Joe Lewis could do it, you could do it. That's what you heard in black homes. If Joe Lewis could do it, you could do it. And that should be known. That, That should be shared. And... That's the power. It wasn't Joe Lewis's short six-inch right hand. It was great. And a left hook, great. But the power was the power of hope that he spread just by being Joe Lewis. That's and it, yeah. the same thing happened in the 80s with the Four Kings. That, you know, it brought hope to the the poverty and the people of Panama. Roberto Duran can be, can be on top of the world there's hope. There's hope. I mean, it, it showed it to, for all of them. I mean, do, do you they all think... came from difficult mm-hmm. places, from difficult times. And they all overcame. For me, the definition of fighting, it's not a jab in the right hand. If you look at Webster's, I don't know what the heck it is. But, <laughs> but for me, for me, it would be someone who overcomes. Someone who finds a way. These guys all found a way. See, that's the greatness of this thing. That they taught us, never forget, you can find a way. Never forget. Don't make excuses. You can find a way. Because they all found a way. Do, do you think the the mentality of the fighter today, and, and like I said, you've crossed all of these generations, and, and you know your past, like you just talked about your history. Is the mentality, you know, different uh, today than, than what you saw, you know, with the four Kings, because when I, I've watched a lot of documentaries on it and, and read about it, they all wanted those fights really bad. They wanted to show that they were the best. And then today you hear people, you know, they, they say, Oh, well, I'm not going to fight him because the money's not right. Or I'm the A side or the B side. It's, it's a lot of other stuff. Do you feel like the fighter of today, maybe because of the money is bigger, the mentality to, I don't care about, you know, I want to get paid, but I want to be the best. I want to be recognized as the best. I want to challenge myself. You think they're just content with just, you know, just taking fights and making money and, and kind of just going that way? 
Let me see how long it should take me to answer this question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that didn't take too long. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I'm not going to get into the mentality that's not as hard as it was back in those days, but some of it's not. Some of it's not. And I'm not talking about just boxing. I'm talking about in general. You know, the, the pride of doing something. You used to have a carpenter back in the day, and you, you'd have to throw him out of your house if he didn't do the job right. Mm-hmm. Because because that was him. That was that was to his father. That was to his grandparents, maybe. But but that represented him. He wasn't leaving your freaking house until it was done right. You didn't have to worry about, you know, going and finding the guy, you know, mm-hmm. to fix the job that he never finished or, or never did right. You didn't have to worry about that. It was a different mentality. It was brought up because because it was given to people by their upbringing, and some of that's missing. Some of that's different. And this, I, I want to hesitate before I say this, but I, but I'm going to say it, and hopefully people understand it properly. I love options. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes there's too many options. Too, too many options. Like back in those days, you didn't have too many options. <laughs> you, you know, you, you did it and you did it the right way. And you did it this way and you found a way. And you know what? It worked. But, and I, again, I want people to understand me. I'm, I'm not afraid of saying something that someone would disagree. I don't, I don't, that's fine. But I want them to understand how I'm saying it. Yeah, I like options. But there's so many now. It's like, like somebody, you know, it's one thing to have a front door and a back door and a side door, but now you got an underneath door. <laughs> you got about seven side doors that are about 14 ways out of the attic. I mean, you know, that's, that's reel it in a little bit. And when you have that many options where you don't have to face something, you don't have to do something, you know, within a, a certain realm of, of what, Obviously, is always going to be some difficulty for something that's worthwhile. But when there's so many options that now you don't have to fight this guy. There's there's 14 belts. 14 belts. <laughs> yeah, there's 14 belts in your weight class. Oh, uh, it, but when there's one belt, well, then there's one way to get there, and it's the right way, and it's the hard way, and it's the strong way. And, but when there's 14 belts in one weight class, and I'm exaggerating, but it's probably close to that. I, you know what? There's there's ways to avoid what's difficult, and human nature is that. But back in the day, it was different. It was it was pushed to face what was difficult, what what you had to face, what was best, what what was the top thing to do, the champion to go after the championship. Now, now there's like I said, there's 14 champions in every in every weight class. I mean, there's so many. Somebody, a writer, told me there's there's not too many writers that exist anymore where they work for a paper. Now it's internet stuff, and some of them are good. But back in the day, every newspaper had a boxing writer, a boxing beat writer. There's very few. And I was talking to one, and he's no longer with a newspaper. And I was talking to one. He called me a couple of weeks ago. We started talking. And, you know, we were talking about what we're talking about now, the problems with boxing and you know the proliferation of too many belts and everything else my god and he said teddy i just did a thing where i went and i examined how many belts there really are all you know all kinds whatever mm-hmm. kind of belts you want to call it, all kinds how many there are you 
take a guess. I was like, I'm afraid to take a guess. I don't know, 30, <laughs> 40, 117. I said, I almost dropped the phone. Wow. I said, come on, 117. I mean, that's a good number. I think I'll play that. You know, I think <laughs> I'll play that number this week. But it's not a good number when you tell me there's 117 belts. Wow. That's not good. And that's what I'm talking about. There was too many. And, and it, everything gets diminished. And your your drive gets diminished. Mm. Yeah. Everything gets deleted a little bit. And so does your drive. So, do, so does the the ability that you that you develop that is in all of us to find a way, you know, to overcome, to be the best. Now, it's not like you have to be the best. You could be, okay, good. Okay, best. Mm-hmm. One of the best. Pretty good. <laughs> and and I, I think that I think that permeates permeates out there in society a little bit, unfortunately. And um and definitely in boxing to the extent that we're talking about it in this way. You think that's the kind of the main difference between, you know, UFC and boxing, whereas, you know, boxers, because they have all of these options, they're making you know, more money than the, the UFC fighters and because they can kind of pick, like you said, the choices, the back door, the front door, the underdoor, where the UFC fighters, you know, because it's more, like you said, the options are more limited, you get the better, you know, fights. Not only do you get the better fights, and you hit it right on the butt. You hit it right on the butt. But listen, to be fair, I got to qualify that, what I'm going to say. And to be, you know, to be honest and fair and... and completely uh, transparent about this thing. There's a big difference in the UFC. It's called it's called Dana White. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a dictator. And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to disparage him because I'm not. I appreciate what he's done. He 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 has marketed the heck out of that that brand. He has developed that brand. He has done a magnificent, magnificent job with that brand. He has surpassed by I hate to say this, I'm a lifetime boxing guy, forty five years. It it hurts me. But he has surpassed by I never thought it was possible. Never thought it was possible. Impossible. fights they get better numbers week to week now when it's a big fight the fight that's the real fight you know when you have joshua and fury i mean that universe is gonna uh, they can't touch that universe but when it comes to week to week the consistent stuff they put out there they've surpassed boxing because boxing you touched on it has too many a's and b's Mm. where where you know only one guy's gonna win because the promoters (laughs) put their guy in with a guy that is the one-sided fight at the end of the day only one guy's gonna win and they're protecting their little piece of land. And so because of that, you have no choice. You have no choice because you have one guy in charge. It's his way or the highway. So you, <laughs> you're fighting this guy. Well, it's a tough one. That's right. That's right. That's why you fight them. Because, because I want the fans to get a good fight. And I want my brand to continue to represent that. So this is who you fight. I mean, just look at it. Look week to week, the guys that they get in with. I mean, it's unbelievable. And a guy could be away. A guy could lose a fight. He, could, he comes back, give him a little gift. No gift. <laughs> no gift. No free lunch. 
I was talking on my podcast the other day. I said, you know, he, he when he says everyone in the pool, <laughs> he not only means everyone in the pool, he don't have a pool. He's got something called the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> and there's sharks in there. And everyone's getting in there. So when you have a guy like that controlling it, the product's going to be what it's going to be, what he wants it to be. When you have, you know, boxer with no czar, no national, only sport without a national commission. I think we understand that. So when you have that and you have four or five power brokers, uh, promoters that control everything, well, you're not going to have a concern about the level of the product only for their little place. And, and, they don't care. They get away with putting nine out of ten. Let's say eight out of ten. Or when they with their network, they they put out eight out eight out of ten fights of fights that don't turn out to be real competitive because they're protecting their stars. Every once in a while, they throw you a bone. So so it's easier. In all fairness, it's easier for the UFC to do this because there's one guy that is in charge. Uh, and you're not demanding the best fight the best. And the one other thing I'll tell you that you touched on when you asked that question, when you brought that up, is they're not doing... Uh, a lot of people say, they listen to what I just said, say, Teddy, we got you. We got you. All right. So in other words, in some ways, the UFC and their dictator, you know, he's not killing nobody. He's just making tough fights. Um, so he's not that bad. But they're doing a disservice to the fighters because they're making them all fight tough fight wrong. They're actually doing a service, and I'll tell you how. Because a lot of these guys, and the fans are going to understand what I'm saying, a lot of these fighters in boxing, they get they get handed all these you know layups, if you will, all these soft opponents on their way to build their record, and they get to a title because there's 117 of them out there. Yeah. So they get to a title, and then when they finally have to fight a real deal kind of guy, if that comes, and it comes eventually, they're not ready. What do you mean you're not ready? Mm. You got a world title, you're 24-0, mm. you're 16-0, you're 15-0. What do you mean you're not ready? Mm. Well, you're not ready. Because you never fought the kind of guys on your way up that were going to make you ready. Mm. The UFC fighters, they're forced to fight those guys. So guess mm. what? Even though they might have six losses, seven losses, eight losses, nine losses, ten losses... Mm. They still can get in that octagon and beat an undefeated fighter and be competitive with a world champion because they got the fights they needed to become better fighters. Man, that, that's, that's it. What, yeah. That's it. Yeah. And that's what these fighters are not. And that's what they got back in the 80s. And that's what these and That's why they were great. And that's what these fighters today, they're not getting mm. that. It's a death sentence. To these fighters today with these promoters' mentality and their networks, their partners, it's a death sentence if you lose a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Hundred percent right. That's a hundred percent. Like, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because I was my next question was uh, my favorite out of the four kings was Marvin Hagler. And I love Marvin. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and no, no, no. And you know, rest in peace. And you know, he just passed away. But I, I was gonna ask you about it because. He, you know, with Sugar Ray and, and some of the others, you know, the Olympic pedigree, they kind of, you know, right into it. You know, Marvin didn't, you know, he did it the other way, you know, where he had to fight and he had some losses. He was one of yeah. us. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what it, your impression of him, and I feel like you're, you kind of are, your mentality and his mentality to me 
fit the best out of those four? <laughs> you know, what did you think of him at that time and, and your relationship with him? You know, just to kind of let people know, because he honestly, truly, you know, was my, my out of that era, one of my favorite fighters. Listen, he, he didn't, he didn't exude or completely, even though he had it, he didn't completely bring out and show what nowadays we all get attracted to that neon, neon, shiny, glitzy talent that just lights up the sky. You know, like whether it's speed, pure speed, pure power, pure power pure sensational, just just lights up the sky like a meteor. He he didn't even though he had it. He didn't kind of represent that. The good, the other guys did. Bang, they knock you out. Flat, gold medal around their neck. You know, smile. Seven up commercials. You know, uh, and all good stuff. Don't don't anyone take me wrong. I am not disparaging. I applaud every one of them. But I'm just making a difference here, and and separating and making a point that they they all had that. Durant came from the real tough place too, uh, and but he got. He got there. With Marvin, it was like he never got there. No matter what he did. And and the talents that these other guys that came and and just, like I said, shot across the sky and lit up the sky and got our attention. The talent that Marvin Hagler had, he had all of that. But he had it with a different sort of mentality within... A, a different sort of vehicle. You know, he had the Ferrari engine, but it was like in a truck. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we didn't think it was a Ferrari. You know, it didn't get our attention. Oh, come on, everyone, come check. Because really, that's our nature. We run down the street, and everyone's coming run. No one's running down the street to see a truck. <laughs> and, but he also had something else. He had where if you wanted, and I think it's the most important attribute and talent, and people unfortunately don't always look at it as a talent, but I look at it as a talent and an ability, an attribute. He had the most important one. If you wanted, what would you want if somebody asked you, what do you want in a friend, in your best friend? What do you want? You want someone who's dependable. Mm-hmm. Bang. Bang. You want someone you could trust. Bang! You want someone you could rely on. Bang! You want Marvin Hagler. That's what you want. And that was Marvin Hagler. Day in and day out. All the time. 24-7. That was Marvin Hagler. He was a blue-collar mentality kind of guy. Brought his lunch every day. And... He went out and got it. He didn't get treated fairly, properly, necessarily. He had to wait longer than anybody. You know, he he, didn't, he wasn't on the express line. He wasn't on the express line. He had to wait longer than anyone to get that title. Too long? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it was, maybe it was. 
but maybe not. Maybe it was what it had to be for Marvin Hagler. Marvin Hagler, a lot of people don't know the story. He went to Philadelphia. Back in those days, Philadelphia had the best middleweights. It's that simple. They had the best middleweights. Nobody wanted to go there. What are you going to go to Philadelphia? First of all, the best middleweights, number one. Number two, you got to fight in Philadelphia. And so if you're fighting their guys, you're probably going to have a tough time. Uh, with uh, Besides with the level of talent, but with the decisions, with the fight, with the judges. So, so where'd Marvin Hagler go? Philadelphia. <laughs> Get, right away. Go to Philadelphia. <laughs> because, why? Because I want to become Marvin Hagler. A lot of young people, I hope you're listening. Because I want to become Marvin Hagler. I want to be tested. I want to be up against the best. The best over there, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. And here's another thing a lot of people don't know. He lost some of those fights. And guess what? He went right back and he won. He went right back and he rectified it. He beat them. He didn't care that he lost. He said, that's why I went here. Find out what was wrong. Now I'm going back there to show I fixed it. Oh, he was great. Oh, he was great. And 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 that's what he did. I'll tell you, a promoter, one of the promoters at Philly in that time, when we were talking after Marvin passed, and we were talking about it, I did a tribute to him on ESPN, and we were talking about it. Uh, he said to me, he said, I got to tell you a story, Tay. He said, he he kept coming back here. And at one point, can you imagine what I'm about to tell you? Because <coughs> promoters aren't known for their heart. Or, or their, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're not known for their compassion too much. So... Here's a, they're just known if someone like he's coming there, that's good. Because we're, we're selling tickets, we're, we're, we're putting seats, you know, fans in the seats, uh, we're putting good fights on. So uh, nobody's going to say no. This promoter actually said to the Petronelli brothers, said, why, why do you guys keep coming back here? Can you imagine that? I mean, on one side, he wants them because it's good business. On the other side, he don't understand it. And he says, why do you guys keep coming back here? And without a split-second hesitation, the Petronelli brothers said, because Marvin says we have to. Mm. 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 That's Marvin Hagler. And that's why he's so great. And, um, you know, who fights John Mugabe, who's 24 and 0, all knockouts, and as the old-timers would say, hit your, he can hit you on top of the head and fracture your ankles. Who the hell fights that guy? Marvin Hagler fights him. Absolutely, no. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and he's he's got a... I can see him being your favorite, and by you telling me that, you tell me about yourself, how you've been brought up, what matters to you. You do. Mm. Who you are. You tell me right there by telling me that, by choosing that guy. And it's all good. It's all good. But you do. Well, thank you. And I that's, really, yeah. And that's, the, and that's the truth. I really I really appreciate that. I really do. Like I said, it's it's sometimes it's seeing the... I always was for the, you know, the person that kind of had to really work his way up. Because with, with my platform, that's what I had to do. I kind of had to work my way up from the bottom to, to get to, you know, a level where I could cover the fights and, and, and cover the events and do the interviews and stuff. So it, it, boxers in general are always 
uh, people as athletes that I have the utmost respect for because I was always like, hey, you know, I played football in high school. I played basketball. The one thing I didn't, I, I can never see myself doing is going in the ring and getting hit in the face for a living. So you have to have, I have a level of respect for anyone in, in the fighting uh, uh, sports uh, genre because I'm like, that's, that's something that, you know, real men and women have to really be strong uh, willed minded to, you know, to do, but, uh, Teddy, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate all of your time. I mean, 30 minutes. Uh, this is, this is, this is, I'm so grateful, you know, for your time and, and hearing your stories and everything. Uh, thank you so much. I, I can't thank you enough. That's my pleasure. And, and thank you for being that person. <laughs> I mean it.